Good evening. We're thankful you're here this evening. If you have your Bible with you and want to follow along, you can be turning to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and we will get there in just a few moments as we begin our lesson together this evening. We're thankful for those who were here today, those who've been able to stay with us, uh, not only this morning, but even for lunch today. Enjoy some of the hard work that was put into. Uh, again, if you would be back with us next Sunday morning, if at all possible, uh, we were we are going to try to kind of recap the yesterday's events and give you a few numbers and some ideas of, of those of you who weren't able to be with us, what all went on, and some of the success and, and encouragement that we were able to go through. Uh, but we are thankful for all those who had a part in that, and we want to mention that again, even as we'll kind of expound upon it more again next Sunday. I heard a quote a few months ago, or maybe even earlier this year, I believe, and I sort of thought about putting a lesson together on it and did, but something that I began to kind of ponder, and I started to kind of get to the heart of where it came from. That was a little difficult to find. It's one of those quotes that comes from maybe many different places and many different, uh, different people have used it over the years, but it has to do a little bit with relationships. If you've had or have your bulletin in front of you and are following along with the notes that are there, uh, the title I, I kind of changed a little bit, but it has to do with the importance of relationships. When we think about our relationships, that is one of the things that is should be the most important thing in our lives. Of course, tonight we're going to talk about our relationship with God the Father and even with Jesus the Son, but even the relationships that we have here upon this earth. I've said it. I've heard it said here. Many times in different ways in Bible classes and things, I, I think we even talked about it this morning. Heath mentioned it in our class, relationships. Relationships is kind of at the heart of what we are, we are talking about. And in fact, the, the book that we've been looking at here in Adult Classroom 1 talks about love, but it really points out that relationships is maybe the central theme of the Bible in a way. If we're, we're trying to break it down to one thing, relationships has a lot to do with it. And, and most of us, we'd stop and say, wait a minute, that's, that's not the case. That can't be true that, that if somebody, somebody said, what is the Bible about? What does it really boil down to? And we said relationships, most people would say that can't be exactly right, that can't be true. But when we think about love and God's love, and we think about uh, love for mankind, and we think about all that together, it's about the relationship that we are to have with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but even so as well with each other. And it, this quote, as I heard it, and we'll get into it, but, and I actually found a little bit longer quote later, but it begins like this, rules... And this is kind of the main theme. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. If you, you know, sometimes preachers say, if you take one thing from the lesson, uh, this is kind of the main idea tonight. The idea that rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Now, as we expound upon this, we actually want to take a look at all three of these R letter words, if you will, and kind of break them down and think about exactly what this statement is getting at. Rules without relationship or relationships leads to rebellion. As we think about that, when I first heard this, my thought went to the picture that was the first thing on the screen, and that is the idea of a father and a son. Now, again, we're talking about all, all kinds of relationships but I thought about a father and a son, and of course that's the, the role that I'm in currently. But I, I even know someone, I even know of a family that uh, we're friends with who the father is not really around very much. And he's not a, a mean father, he's not a bad father, if you will. You, you might not look at them and say that he's, he's doing bad things for his children, 
but he's just not always around. And one of the things that gets in the way many times is work. And maybe a lot of us could raise our hands and say that's a problem for us sometimes. And sometimes maybe we can't help it because the work just demands a lot of us. And other times maybe we're guilty of putting work in front of other things. And and maybe we're trying a little too hard or trying to go a little too far when maybe we need to pull back some. But I thought of this father. And when he gets on to his children, you see a little bit of tension there. You see a little bit of maybe friction if you will. And maybe they have a little bit of problem grasping hold of what he's trying to tell them to do. And I had kind of been thinking about that for a while and had observed this situation just in front of me. You know, I looked at the father and I know, you know, he wants to be a good person. I see, though, the problem that, that the relationship is not there. And then I happened upon this quote and I thought, you know, that's what it is. That's what, that's what this quote is saying. This father doesn't quite have the relationship with his son or sons that he should have. And when he doesn't have that and he enforces the rules, that's what leads to rebellion. Because the relationship is not really there. And we're going to come back to this at the end of our lesson and think about it a little bit more in an earthly sense. But of course I thought, you know, this obviously relates to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. If relationships is really what it's about, if sin is a problem and we need to love more and sin less, which is the title of the book we've been looking at, then we have to have the correct relationship. And tonight we're going to look first of all at the fact that that begins with rules. You know, many people sometimes say, well, rules are made to be broken. You know, and that's the way we kind of treat things sometimes. But when we think about our relationship with God, does God give us rules? Well, some people may say unfortunately, but fortunately or unfortunately, he has given us rules. God has given us rules to live by. I put quotation marks around the word rules there on purpose because we may not like to call them that. The Bible sometimes calls them commands, may sometimes call them precepts, we sometimes call them laws, but there are rules that we are to live by. Now, we may not like that term, but you know, we learn from an early age that rules are oftentimes there for our protection. If you've got your Bible, I ask you to turn to 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. John says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You see, sometimes we want to treat the rules of God, we might call them, as hard, as difficult. as something we may not want to uh, participate in or we may not want to follow. We don't like the idea of somebody ruling over us. But we learn at a young age that rules are there for our benefit, for our protection. We learn about gravity, and sometimes in a hard way, but we learn about gravity and the laws of gravity even at a young age. Jesus even said in John 14, 15, along those same lines, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Again, this idea of whether or not you want to call them rules, and the Bible may not call them rules in that way, but there are commandments that we are to follow. And there are all types of rules when we think about it. You go back all the way, maybe your kindergarten classroom, or even on into high school, you had a classroom, a lot of times you had those rules 
on the wall. Now when you're in kindergarten, they're a little more fancy and colorful and all nice and pretty to make you think like they're fun to follow by. And then you get to high school and you say, here's your sheet of paper. Here's what you're supposed to be doing and not doing. But there are classroom rules. Again, those are there for our benefit, for our protection. I don't know how many of you have ever tried to teach a bunch of five and six and seven year olds. Many of you ladies have, if not in the school system, certainly here at the church building. I'll never forget, as a senior at Free Heart, I've been in college. Uh, I had no interest in going into education, but to try to make a little extra money as I was considering getting married, I tried to do a little substitute teaching. Of course, I asked for, you know, the older kids, you know, go to the high school, sit around all day, right? It can't be that hard until the day they sent me to the elementary school. And I loved my teachers even more that day because classroom rules are hard sometimes to get children to understand. But they're there so that there can be some learning along the way. You have to stay quiet so that everyone can hear. You have to keep your hands to yourself so that there can be some type of function. But there are all types of rules. Again, we already mentioned the law of gravity. That's a hard one to learn sometimes, but when you fall on that shoulder or hip, you learn in a hurry about even the scientific laws that govern the way that we live. We think about the rules that our parents set up or even the rules that our government sets up for us. And and many times we don't like somebody to tell us what to do or to have these rules in our life. But sometimes we don't like to even think about it when it comes to the Bible and to what God has told us to do. Yes, even God has rules. We go back even as far as the Ten Commandments. And while we may not exactly abide by by those ten things in the exact same ways, certainly the commandments that are given there are inclusive of the ways that we should be living, the things that we should be doing. God gave His Ten Commandments so that His people would know how to conduct themselves. They would know how to interact with people. It was there for their benefit. When He said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you shall have no other idols that was so that we could avoid judges and kings and everything else that would come after they didn't want to listen they wanted to do what they wanted to do they broke the rules if you will and there were problems we think about the words of jesus again we don't always think about them as rules but the words that we oftentimes find in our bibles in red the things that we are to live by the commandments that he has given to us and even the words of paul of course by inspiration of the holy spirit that that he would tell us the ways that we should live the things that we should do all of those could be considered as the rules that god has given us to live by and many times we look at those and we say you know i don't know that i want to participate in that i don't know that i want to follow someone that's going to tell me what to do Of course, that's how we are recognized. Again, the words of John in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. He has given us these commandments and that's how we make that connection. That's how we know that we know him. It's a balance. It's a balance that we're supposed to find and it's very very hard, especially in the world that we live in today. We talked in our class this morning about extremes. That's the way the world wants to treat things. A lot of times it's extremism, one side or the other. But we know and we can know him if we keep his commandments. Is it about love? It is about love. Is it about obeying? It is about obeying. And finding that balance, even in the rules or the commands that God has given us, is something that we must continue to try to do. 
We're going to jump to the end of the quote, if you will, for the purpose of our lesson tonight, but think for a few moments about rebellion. Have you ever been in a rebellion? You know, that's another word, I think, sometimes that we don't like to really consider. For most of us, when we think about the word rebellion, we simply think about the movie Star Wars, the franchise of the Star Wars movies, you know, and the rebellion that takes place in that. We think, well, that's what a rebellion is. I I can recognize that. I've never been a part of a rebellion. Many times we think about war, the wars that have been fought over the course of history, not only uh, worldwide, of course, but even by our country. Sometimes that has to do with a rebellion that is taking place. And sometimes that may have been needed. And sometimes maybe it wasn't needed. But a lot of times we set that word aside and think, well, I've never been a part of a rebellion before. But what about with God? What about in our lives? Are we rebellious? We oftentimes refrain from using that word unless it has to do with teenagers. But are we not rebellious sometimes in our life? You know, when we think about rebellion, rebellion is simply resisting authority or control. You're not going to tell me what to do. That's what we say sometimes to a sibling or a co-worker or someone else. You know, sometimes that's what we even say to the sermon or the preachers we talked about this morning. Nobody may be mad at the preacher directly, but they want to say, you're not going to tell me what to do. See, rebellion is simply resisting authority or control. Well, we do that sometimes in our life. It may not require war. It may not require weapons of physical nature or anything like that. But we can be rebellious When we want to avoid the things that God has told us to do. There are many biblical examples. We go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. We talked about that in a lesson recently. Yet the woman goes on with that. She hears those words that she wants to hear. You will not surely die. She becomes rebellious. God has told them what to do and what not to do. We might not consider it rebellion, but resisting authority or control or what God has told her to do is what takes place there. Exodus 32, we referred to the Ten Commandments a few moments ago. Perhaps you recall that golden calf. That golden calf that the people get tired of waiting. They they say, we're tired of God's control. We're tired of Moses not giving us what we want, not coming down. So we're going to rebel. We're going to make our own rules. We're going to make our own golden calf. Of course, as Moses comes down and Aaron says, the people, you know, I did what the people said to do. What could could go wrong? I said, that's what they asked for. And look, here came this golden calf out of nowhere, essentially. That's the way they wanted to treat it, to try to avoid the fact that they were in rebellion to God. Exodus 32 is not the only place. We've talked even recently about Numbers chapter 16, Korah. Remember our lesson on the sons of Korah? We had to talk about Korah to get to the sons of Korah. But those there who were rebelling against Moses and Aaron and their authority, when Moses is simply saying the authority that I have is only the authority that comes from God. A good point there again for the sermon and the preacher. I don't stand here and tell you what I think you should do because I'm better than you. I want to stand here and share with you what God has told us to do. It's the message that he has given. In number 16 or Exodus 32, those who would rebel against what he has said, it wasn't just against Moses and Aaron, but it was against God. We think about Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from sin. 
Well, none of us can because all of us at one point or another have been in rebellion to God. Maybe it lasted longer for you than for someone else. Maybe it was a split second decision. Maybe it was a choice you made in your teenage years or your young adult years. But who can say that my heart is clean and pure from sin? None of us can because we have all been in some type of rebellion. And of course, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short or fall short of the glory of God. When we think that we would never be in rebellion to God, that's when we're going to be susceptible to falling because we all take place in that rebellion from time to time. The benefit, of course, is recognizing it, changing our way so that we don't stay in that state with God. We don't stay in that state of rebellion. But yet, as we look at these passages from Genesis all the way to 2018, this very day, and we think about our lives, many times we are guilty of resisting authority or control and being in rebellion against God. It's easy to do. It's what most of the world chooses to do. And it's very easy to join that crowd. But we need to consider that. But as our statement said a few moments ago, when we think about the rules and the rebellion... The rebellion happens because when the rules come and we're told the rules, we have rebellion and we don't have that relationship. When we don't have that relationship. And tonight, we begin to conclude our thoughts by thinking about this fact that we must have a relationship with the Father. I don't always like to say if you remember one thing and one thing only from the lesson, but but maybe this is it tonight. This is the key to the lesson. This is the key to not having rebellion, this is the key to understanding the rules and the commandments, is that we have the relationship. It's that we know Him. It's that we surround ourselves with Him and His words, and we understand that His commandments are not burdensome. But they are there for our benefit, so that we can learn how we should act, how we should conduct ourselves, because it is much easier on us That's not always easy when we want to do what we want to do. But when we consider ourselves sometimes in the situations we wind up in, we recognize that we didn't follow the words of God and we recognize how painful it is with our parents, our siblings, our spouses, our family members, our friends. We find ourselves in difficult situations when we rebel against God and His rules or His commandments, whatever word you want to use for it. When we don't have a relationship with him. What does it mean to have a relationship? A, curse, a couple of passages from 2 Corinthians. First of all, chapter 6 and verses 14. And if you're making notes, you can go ahead and write down through verse 18. I forgot to put it in the PowerPoint, but verses 14 through 18. Paul says here, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Or in what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. Sounds like a relationship. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17, therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. What are we talking about here? What is Paul referring to? He's referring to relationships. 
You see there in verse number 14 and 15 and even down into 16, these, these two sides, light and darkness, unbelievers and believers, righteousness, lawlessness, light and darkness. We understand these two things cannot exist together. What are we going to have a relationship with? God has said, he said it in the Old Testament, he says it still in the New Testament and says it to us today, I will be your God and you can be my people. But when we think about the, what all goes into that, it involves the rules, it involves being obedient. When we are obedient, when we have that relationship, we don't find ourselves in rebellion very often. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, maybe just a page back in your Bible, verses 17 and 18 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And go on through verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We have to have a relationship with the Father. We have to be in Christ. We talked about that a month or so ago in one of our lessons or a couple of lessons on Sunday morning. We have to have the relationship with Him. We have to be in Christ. The Bible makes it abundantly clear. I would say simply, but I continue to refer to the fact that while it's simple for us to understand, it's not always simple for us to do. But God has given us this opportunity to have a relationship with him. And, and you know, we may not like it sometimes, but we can be very thankful that relationship extends from God to man always. As, as long as he gives us time here upon this earth, he extends that relationship. And what we can be thankful for is the fact that we have to reach back. You know, what, if, what would it be like if God would simply just smack us upside the head or just snap his fingers and say, okay, you, 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 and you, you, and you, not you. Okay, we're in a relationship. The rest of you, sorry, you're out of luck. That's not the way it works. He doesn't just pick and choose. He allows us, if we would be found faithful, if we will be obedient, to have a relationship with him. And even when we turn away, even when we find ourselves in open rebellion, he will still be waiting. The... the Analogy here, the, the parallel of a family is, is so, so easy to see for us. I don't know all of your family relationships. I, I don't need to. We've, some of you, we've shared about our family histories. But, but many of you can look at someone in your family and see someone who's walked away. And maybe you know the struggle of wanting to reach out to them, but wanting to pull back maybe as well and say, we can't have a relationship at this time because of your behavior, the things that you're choosing to do. But we serve a God who... who it's not exactly that way as long as we have time here upon the earth. He's willing to extend that arm of fellowship, that relationship to us. And all we have to do is be accepting of it and come to Him. So how do we get a relationship with the Father? And I'll bring you back here to the beginning of the lesson. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. This is not on the slides again, but Matthew chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6. And we'll get there in just a moment. How do we get a relationship with the Father? I want to ask you for the last couple of minutes here, very simply, to go back to the very first slide. That, that very first slide had a picture of a man, it looks like, and a little boy. A father and a son. If I ask you, how do you get a relationship, that's a capital F, Father, with God the Father, it's not that hard. 
When we think about how we have relationships with those around us, what do you have to do? You've got to spend time together. You've got to spend time together. You need to talk. You need to listen. I think about Matthew 6, 5, and 6 there when Jesus talks about the model prayer. He says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Surely, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So I, I read there about a relationship. Not a relationship that has to be front and center. You know, you never usually pull your father out in front of everybody in the cafeteria or in the mall and, and start having this loud, open conversation so that everybody will see that you're, you're talking to your dad. No, that's not typically the way that it works. Jesus, or Jesus here says that, that we don't have to pray on the street corner. A relationship doesn't always have to be something that's open and blatant in that way. He talks about when we talk to God, we go to the secret place. We go to the side. We go to where we can have a conversation with someone. If I want to connect with my sons, I shouldn't take them to the airport or the shopping mall or somewhere where there's so much going on that we can't have any time to focus or talk or listen. But we do need to spend time together. And that's exactly what we're talking about when it comes to our relationship with the Father. When we think about our main idea tonight... And we go back to our family example. Think about this. Money cannot buy a father a relationship. That example that I used at the beginning of the father who's always gone on business, maybe never home, up early, gone to work, home late, and and, you know, his kids are getting ready for bed. It doesn't matter how many toys he can he can bring home. Doesn't matter if if they go away on a Saturday, because that son's gonna love that. He's going to have the best time ever with his dad on that trip. But when Monday rolls around and the father disappears again to work, it doesn't matter how many trips he can take him on for one, one Saturday at a time. Money cannot buy us a relationship. And our final point tonight is it takes time. It simply takes time. It takes time to have a relationship. It takes time with your spouse to have a relationship. It takes time with your children to have a relationship. It takes time with the Father. God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It takes time with them to have a relationship. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. When we don't have that relationship with the Father, when we read His commandments, we think... Boy, that sounds awful tough. Boy, that sounds like he's being really hard on me. Boy, that sounds like he's asking more of me than I could ever do. But when we love him as he loved us, when we have that relationship, we understand. We understand that we're emulating the love of the Father. We're showing it back to him. We're showing it to others. If you want to have a relationship with him, it simply takes time. And the question as we conclude our lesson tonight, of course, is... Are you spending any time with God? Do you have that relationship with Him? Are you developing one? If maybe you can sit here tonight and recognize that it's not what it should be. Because if not, if you don't have the relationship, then you will resent Him and His rules. You will look at the Word as burdensome, as something that's hard to live by, and something that we could never achieve. But when you open the book and you look at the relationship, of God the Father and Jesus the Son, you look at what they were willing to do and you look at what they ask of us. 
we recognize that we can do it. We can be in fellowship. We can have a relationship with him. And then we're less likely to be in rebellion because we recognize how much he loves us and what he was willing to do. Do you have a relationship with the Father tonight? If not, why not? We would love to help you understand more about what it takes to have a relationship. First and foremost, in becoming a child of God, becoming a part of the family, being baptized for the remission of your sins, that the Lord can add you to his church. But it doesn't stop there. It takes time. It takes continuing on in that relationship. Being a child of God, serving him, obeying, reaching out to others. There's so many things to be busy with, but yet many times we lose we lose sight of that. And we fall away. The world begins to creep in. The money begins to creep in. Our time seems very precious and we get selfish with it. We don't have a relationship with the Father anymore. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a child of God, but you've wandered away and you recognize that relationship is not what it should be, but it's not God's fault. It's your fault. Maybe tonight you need to make a change. You need to fix that relationship, begin to mend it, so that if the Lord were to return this very night, tomorrow, this month, this year, whenever the Lord returns, that we would be found in a faithful state with God. You don't have to leave tonight worrying about it. You don't have to leave tonight with that question on your mind, wondering what your relationship is. You can make a change. You can either become a child of God or come back to Him. For those reasons, we'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.